This is Jeff Scott Soto, and you are listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael and Hollywood Pooney. You better turn it up and keep it up. Good morning. Welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast. Yes, we are recording on a Sunday morning, one short week after the Monsters of Rock cruise because we wanted to get it while we all had it fresh in our minds. So we're inviting back to the podcast today all of our traveling partners. Of course, my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney. What's going on, Sonny? Uh, Not much. Just recovering, but no cruise crud. There you go. And our friends from the Potter and Hell podcast, Steve Wright. Hello. BC. What's up? And our friend Granza. How you doing? All right. So all the traveling partners are here and we are going to go through each day. So this is a two-part thing. We're going to cover days one through three on the Grown Up Rock podcast. And then we invite you to go over to the Potter Than Hell podcast on Tuesday. If you're listening to this on release day, it comes out Sunday. On Tuesday, they are going to release part two, which will take you through days four and five, and then also cover our top five performances that we all enjoyed, as well as our top two disappointments. So we're going to get into all the activities leading into the Monsters of Rock cruise. And then, as I said, days one through three. But before we do that, you know, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. 
All right, so tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from a band called Reckless Love from Finland. Uh, as we were on the Monsters of Rock cruise, Reckless Love was one of the bands that was announced as coming onto the Monsters of Rock cruise in 2023. There's been a lot of talk about this band. Uh, they're getting ready to release their fifth studio album called Turbo Rider, and this is one of the first singles off that, the title track called Turbo Rider.
Okay, so with a name like Reckless Love, I was looking for something that was warrant, poison, rat. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that, and <laughs> I hope to God their other five albums are not like this. So they definitely look like they come from the warrant school, uh, which goes along with what you would be expecting, Sonny. And from what I understand, I don't know a ton about this record, but I went back and listened to some of the first four albums, and it is vastly different than what this album is. I got a, a advanced copy of this record, and pretty much what you heard in that single Turbo Rider is pretty much what the record is like. It's very, very synth-oriented, pop, dance. I, I don't know what to call it. I don't hate that song. I think it's a, definitely a little unique, but it is not what the rest of the four albums are. I understand they're very good live. Uh, and I understand that chicks will love the front man, Ollie, which is great. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it live just to form my own opinion, but I, I don't know. Steve Wright, what was your thoughts on this song? My very first thought of this album was with the guitar work, is this Dragon Force with all the, the crazy shredding going on in the beginning? And then my second thought was, do these guys have a drummer? Or is this whole album these elect- electronic drums? Other than that, it was okay, but all that not even the guitars, but that the drums were extremely distracting for me. I'm like, it sounds just sounds like a drum machine. BC, what were your thoughts? Uh, I used these guys as a hitting gym, I think, a year or two back. But uh, their older stuff, I like this one was a little too. I don't like electronic drums. That turns me off right from the get go. Like Steven said, it, their other albums are are decent, good. Yeah. This one, uh, not so much. Not so much. Granza. I've heard the older stuff before. This new one, I'm not feeling it yet. Yeah, I mean, so the previous albums are pretty much straight ahead melodic rock. Yeah. In some places, some of the songs are a little bit too light for me. In other places, they're they got some great rockers. Yeah, this album. They may gain some new fans, judging from what I'm hearing, but I think they're going to lose a lot of of, uh, old school fans because it is definitely just completely different, in in my opinion. So there you go. Reckless Love. Do they have actual drums on the other albums? I've never heard them before. Yeah, they're good. They are. I think the other albums are good, but. I mean, I've heard them a ton of times, but yeah, I mean, they, they've got a drummer. They've got a full, you know, a full on band. Uh, in fact, the one thing they don't have, which is mostly what's on this record, it sounds like is a keyboard player. <laughs> so you can expect to see a lot of sequencing uh, in their live performances would be my guess. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Hey, everybody, it's Joel Hoekstra from Whitesnake, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now crank it up. So let's get into tonight's discussion as we recap the Monsters of Rock cruise. Let's start with our trips beforehand. So myself and my lovely wife, Jen, we skipped the pre-party this year and we decided to jump on the Freedom of the Seas for two days. Basically, it was a two-day cruise to the private island and back just leading up to the Monsters of Rock cruise. We did this for two reasons. Number one, the logistics. That was the biggest reason we did this. It enabled us to test in Atlanta at the CVS before we got down to Miami. It was super simple, super easy. 
flew down to Miami. All the flights were on time. We were traveling with a couple of friends that were also going on Mork the week after, Leslie and her friend Chip. And so we tested. Everything was good. We flew down to Miami on Monday. All the flights were on time. We got right on the ship. No problem. The ship holds like 3,000, 4,000 people. There were 1,000 people on our sailing. And we went to the private island and back. When we got back, Royal Caribbean tested us to make sure we were good for Mork, which we all ended up testing negative. They just took us off the ship through customs and bought us right back on the ship. So it was super easy. We had a balcony cabin and the guy took our luggage and moved it to our new cabin for Mork. And while all that was going on, they fed us like this uh, really kind of nice sit down lunch. And it just worked out really well. I mean, I would have no problem doing that. The downside is you miss the pre-party. But this year was a little bit different than the past two that we were on since the pre-party was only one day instead of two. And we kind of knew ahead of time, although that changed, the bands that were going to be on it and it was no big loss. You guys talk about your trip and uh, the condo and the pre-party a little bit, Sonny. Yeah, I'll let uh, Righty and those guys fill in some of the blanks. But for me, I flew in on Monday, no issues, got the van because we had a van because initially there were supposed to be like 10 or 12 people in the Airbnb. And, you know, just with some folks getting sick and this thing getting postponed two or three times, like it just it didn't work out quite that way. After I got the van, got the Airbnb ready, got my COVID test out of the way, tested negative online. Royal Caribbean made it really easy. We ordered tests ahead of time, brought it with us. And uh, you could do everything online. It took less than like 20 minutes. The Airbnb was old. That's because we were trying to sleep like, again, 10 or 12 people. So it was probably a house that was, I don't know, at least 50 to 70 years old. And you could tell that, you know, they had X amount of rooms. They built on something. They built on something else and built on something else. So it just kind of, like I said, seemed like, you know, one of those houses that are painted 18 times without stripping the paint. So, you know, the house kind of keeps getting smaller and smaller, if that makes sense. It was an interesting neighborhood. Uh, I'm sure Riley can talk about that. One night we recorded a game show episode that will come soon. And then Tuesday, really the two biggest things we did was we went to Nico's barbecue place for lunch, which I'll let the guys fill in the blanks there. And then we went to the pre-party, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about the bands in a second. So uh, we enjoyed our, our two days. You know, we go for the hang beforehand before the, you know, 4,000 people are on top of you everywhere you go. Righty, how about you? We had a late flight. Our, our initial flight was canceled. We were supposed to get there in Miami, I think like maybe half an hour after Sonny was getting there, but our flight ended up getting canceled. We had to scramble the day before to, to get a new one. But we, you know, we got there probably, I don't know, probably 10 o'clock. Sonny picked us up at the airport. Thank you again for that. And then uh, we, you know, we ordered pizza. We just shot the shit and kind of just crashed out that night. But the uh, the second day was good though. We, Sonny and I went to pick up Tony and Mark at the airport. So we grabbed those guys. Then we picked up BC and uh, Granza and we went to Nico McBrain's barbecue place, which was probably probably almost an hour away from where we were. And um, the restaurant was cool. What did you guys think of the, the restaurant? I thought it was a little smaller than what I envisioned, but uh, it, it was not bad. The food was surprisingly good. Yeah. I don't I mean like that would be bad, but it was better than I thought it would be. The decor, you could say, of the building was cool. All the Iron Maiden stuff. Tons of cool Maiden shit. Tons of Maiden. They played Monte Crew the whole time we were there. <laughs> I don't understand that part, but no, it was, I, I had a good time. Oh, Nico's place? Yeah, that was good. I, the food was excellent, I, I thought. Uh, mac and cheese and the beans especially were good. The sauce was good, and uh, the layout of the place was a little small, but all the stuff on the wall made it really interesting. It, it kind of had a good vibe to it. 
Yeah, our, our waitress was a little sassy, I would say. Yeah. She was a little sassy. Mark ordered a mimosa, <laughs> Mark, remember? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right off the bat. She's like, what the fuck is that? What the yeah. fuck is that? I think those are exact words. <laughs> so did you guys make a side trip to the casino then before the pre-party? Yes. Yeah, Sonny can't pass a casino without stopping in to gamble. So, you know, he felt the need to stop there. So we, we stopped. It was the uh, it was the Hard Rock Casino. Yeah, I didn't gamble. We just had a couple, me and BC, we just drank. I hear that hotel is uh, is quite nice. The casino was real nice. We didn't see the hotel itself, but it's the hotel that's the big guitar, which is really cool. Knowing Lucky Pooney, Pooney, did you pay for your whole Monsters of Rock cruise with that trip? <laughs> uh, with the whole trip, maybe. Not at the Seminole Hard Rock. Me and Tone got basically jacked at that place. <laughs> that's right. I kind of forget from time to time that Tony likes to gamble a little bit as well. All right. So you guys went to Nico McBrain's. You, then you guys headed over to uh, the pre-party? Yeah, pretty much. We made a stop to get some beers and stuff, and um, I think we went to a uh, CVS or Walgreens or something. Went to the pre-party. So we got there. It was it was really easy getting in. All you had to do was show your email that you were on the cruise because it was not open to the public this year. Because last year, well, not last year, the last cruise, you, if you weren't going on the cruise, you, it was like 20 bucks and you were able to get in. But from my understanding this year is that it was only for the people that were on the cruise. I'm, I'm assuming it was like a COVID thing. So we, we got there. Someone was already playing when we got there, I think. I thought Rhino Bucket was already playing. We just caught the last song or two because we didn't see all of Rhino Bucket. Yeah, might have been. Yeah. You guys missed completely that Metal Coalition thing then, right? Yeah. Yeah. United Metal Coalition. Yeah. You tailgated in the parking lot a bit, did some drinking, listening to some music, that type thing? No, we pretty much got there and walked in because we could hear the music playing already. Okay. Because the year before, we got there a little early, so we were able to do that a little bit in the parking lot, but we, we really didn't have the time. I had to time. go to the bathroom real quick. Yeah, and Booboo had to make a ba- bathroom break, so uh, I was running. he kind of ruined us for that one. Well, I'm a big boy. I could have stayed in there by myself. We were. <laughs> Are you, though? Are you? Well, I think I am until I hang around with you. <laughs> so anything interesting at the uh, at the pre-party any interesting stories anything coming out of that i thought the most interesting thing at the pre-party was that uh, actually two things that i got from it was uh, the changing of the guard for the bass player for vixen vixen Costin's wife came in like halfway through the set and took over bass because she's uh, apparently in the band now that was pretty cool and then the other lady came out and played at the end there as well and um the vandenberg show for me was rather disappointing he was the uh, like the last minute headliner, I think he really could have captured the crowd. Okay, do one of your songs first, and then, goddamn, like I'm sorry, you know, you had Vandenberg, but you were, as far as I'm concerned, most well known for being in White Snake. Throw Still of the Night or something out there, like early in your set, and get the crowd want to stay. He played like three songs of his own or something like that, and then he plays Sailing Ships from White Snake. I'm like, what? Like I had no interest at that point, and and we didn't really stay that much longer after that. No, I think right after that, like the beginning of the fourth song, when it wasn't something that was really slamming, I think we just looked at each other and just bailed. Let's go back and drink beers. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would say is uh, a couple different things. So originally it was Tom Kiefer who was supposed to headline. And at the very, like literally last minute, he was no longer headlining the pre-party. And not only was he not headlining the pre-party, but he wasn't, he was going to miss the boat altogether. That was one thing. Vixen, who was originally slated for the pre-party, but also was supposed to be on the boat. They played the pre-party, but then didn't come on the boat. From what I heard, one of them or more is not vaxxed. I don't know what the deal is with that. And then 
Vandenberg, from what I understand, Vandenberg was a light addition to the crews altogether. And supposedly they didn't have much time to perform or to rehearse as a band at all. Like this new, this guy, this new singer, which by the way, I thought the new singer was great. He did the Coverdale stuff really good. I thought he was really strong, but I understand the set was a little kind of wonky as far as that goes. So I get people were kind of meh and they weren't real exciting live. I saw them on the boat. We'll get into all that. But uh, so it was just kind of a hodgepodge of thrown together pre-party, in my opinion. And uh, it sounds like you guys pretty much witnessed that confirms that. Yeah, I would say, you know, Rhino Bucket, Rhino Bucket is Rhino Bucket. I forgot that song, Ride the Rhino. So I enjoy that. (laughs) We we, we played that off pretty well. said you know it's a little off but i'm not going to give them a break for they didn't get to rehearse i'm not going to give a break for you know they're not dynamic live the white snake songs are good enough you don't got to be dynamic live you just got to kill the white snake songs and if you're going to rehearse even twice learn two white snake songs and put them at the front and make sure that they're banging because what happens is if, if the first five songs two of them are white snake songs i sit there waiting for the next white snake song to come so i'll live through the other shit but if you're going to bore me to death to begin with, then it's like, okay, whatever. I will tell you, Vixen was great. And uh, we didn't really talk about it. They did a bunch of covers. Brit sang a song. Vixen did a really good job. We missed them on the boat. If they would have been on the boat, you would have enjoyed them. Yeah. And Vandenberg did end up playing two White Snake songs in the set I saw. I think they played Fool for Your Lovin' and... Uh, uh, I don't know the both the popular sort of ballady, not really ballady, but lesser rocking songs. <laughs> they certainly weren't playing Children of the Night or Still of the Night or something like that. But you know, and I thought the guy performed it well, but it, it was kind of meh to me. I could, I, I personally would have rather heard some of the first two Vandenberg albums, but that's just because I grew up on that stuff. So uh, that's what it was for me. Well, so that was kind of the pre-party. Anything more eventful between the time? Uh, you guys left the pre-party and you guys got to the port and got on the boat. Anything that we need to talk about? Oh, absolutely. Do you want to do it, Sonny, or me? <laughs> no, go ahead. 
Okay. <laughs> I can't wait uh, to hear this. <laughs> well, so we're all, we're all piling in the van to go to the port. It's uh, myself, Sonny, BC, Granza, Tony, and Mark. And Sonny kind of downplayed the neighborhood. We were in the hood. And um, <laughs> we were really in the hood. Our life was not in danger. By the way, let me give you guys a little tip. This is a little tip for you and for any of the listeners out there. When you book an Airbnb, if you have the address, which is really important, you can do a Google Street View and you can go. Actually, you can see your property. You can go down the street in one direction or the other. So it's really handy. So just a FYI, but I did that for the property that was booked because originally we were staying there before we ended up booking the cruise. And in one direction, there was a homeless person <laughs> sleeping under an uh, overpass. And in the other direction, there was a Dollar General store. So <laughs> family dollar, family dollar. Fa- family dollar. The neighborhood's about family. And there were bars on the windows. So you guys saying that you were in the hood is uh, of no surprise to myself. But continue. Oh, man. I did a lot of shit before I got into comedy, man. This would be like a busboy and shit. Some shit, boy. bus boy. You know what that means? That means you take the bus home. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what happens, you end up taking the bus home. Fuck, I just did a lot of shit before I got into comedy, man. I used to work at McDonald's, making minimum wage, man. You know what it means when they pay you minimum wage? That means they don't give a fuck about you, okay? They don't care about your Christmas. They don't care if your kids got shoes on. You know, the boss goes, "Hey, how you doing? You know how the fuck I'm doing." <laughs> with this little bit of money you're paying me. <laughs> you know what it means when they pay you minimum wage? You know what they're trying to tell you? It's like, hey, if I could pay you less, I would. <laughs> but it's against the law. <laughs> this shit is crazy, man. Should work at McDonald's, man. You ever go to McDonald's and get online? There's a guy in front of you that doesn't have enough money to get anything? He's got like 40 cents and he's trying to cut a deal. He's just like, yo, man, check this out, check this out, check this out, man, check this out. Yo, I got 40 cents, right? I got 40 cents. Yo, McNuggets is a dollar 49, man. Why don't you let me get one McNugget? Yo, can't give me nuggets? I hear that, I hear that, I hear that, I hear that. Yo, check this out. My middle of my man in the play. My middle of my ace in the place. My main shit's name. Check this out, check this out. That hamburger saying nine cent, right? Saying nine cent. Y'all got 40 cent in my pocket right here. Cash money. <laughs> 40 cent cash money. Hamburger saying nine cent. Why don't you let me get the bun and the pickle? And now that you say that, I'm sure that Stephen looked into that factored into him going on that two-day cruise as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, we pile in the van and Mark says, hey, can you stop at the Family Dollar store so I can get some sunscreen? No problem. We shoot down. Now we have a, it's, it's one of the longer vans. So we, the parking lot was small. So we, Sonny parked out on the street and we were just sticking out just a, a tiny bit. So we're sitting there, Marco's in. So we're, you know, shooting the shit. I'm looking straight ahead and Sonny's looking at me. He goes, whoa, 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 don't, don't, don't. And I look and here comes this van freaking slams into us. We're like, what the hell? So it's like real quick, you know, is everybody okay? You know, kind of thing. And then now the guy starts trying to take off. So I jump out. And now I'm banging on the van. The guy's trying to drive away. He stalls the van. So I get up to the to the front, and all I see is a dude in a mask. And I'm like, 
shit, I don't want to get shot here. So I, I back off. I grab my phone. So I'm taking pictures of the guy's license plate and the guy drives off. He stalls and he takes off again. We didn't know. Mark comes out. He goes, holy shit. He goes, that guy was like robbing the place, stealing shit out of the store. And he was. They locked him in. They locked him in. But they let Mark in the store. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this dude's robbing the fucking place. So he takes off. So I, and then I, I called nine one one, and it was a whole big deal. The cops came and everything like that. No one got hurt, thankfully. And and the best part was when the police officer, Officer Cruz, comes up, and you know he's there. Hey, who called nine one? I said I did. So he, you know he questioned me, and he goes, Oh, he goes, We know that guy. He said <laughs> he jump started his van at six o'clock this morning. I'm You're like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> he's like, No. I'm like, He said so. We know him. We know where to look for him. So and then you know then he talked to Sonny because he had, he had rented the van. And it was just, it was, uh, you know, one of the things that would only happen to us guys and no one got hurt. No one got shot. And, um, there was insurance on the van. So I was good. Uh, Sonny, I don't know if you heard anything else from them or about that, but, uh, it was exciting for a couple minutes there. Wow. And you still made the cruise on time. We did. Yeah. We dropped everybody off at the port. Then I went with Sonny to return the vehicle. And, uh, that's when BC and Granza started, you know, enjoying some beverages without me, but that's okay. You weren't there. I know you're <laughs> Wait. <laughs> a never a dull moment. I got to be honest. I'm not sorry that I missed all that, <laughs> but it sounds like fun. So, uh, yeah. So let's kick off day one. We've got the daily planners each day. They put a daily planner in your cabin with the schedule of the bands and things that are going on in, on the boat. And then if there's an update to that, oftentimes they'll put an updated list in your cabin or they'll just post something by the elevators that says this is different. Uh, and there were a lot of changes. There were a lot of bands that were supposed to be on this cruise and didn't end up being on this cruise. And the one thing I will say is I understand with everything going on, the changes weren't a big, huge deal to me. But what was a big deal to me is that it wasn't communicated very well by the Monsters of Rock cruise people. That's the only thing that was disappointing to me. In my opinion, every time they had a change, they should have sent an email out to all the people that were booked and said, hey, this is what's changed. At the very least, posted something on their official Facebook page that says, this is changed. And they didn't do that. And so it left it open to a lot of speculation. It left it open to a lot of misinformation, which was the biggest thing. And it was just kind of really stupid. Let's get into day one. So day one, the first band, as we all checked in on the boat, uh, the boat was set to sail around 4.30. It didn't sail right at 4.30. The weather wasn't particularly good for Miami on that day, which is kind of rare. Most of the time, it's decent weather in Miami, but it was a little bit chilly. Yes, I said a little bit chilly in Miami, and it was sort of drizzly and, and uh, cloudy a lot of the day, but the first band that played the Monsters of Rock Cruise was in Studio B, and it was one of Sonny's favorite bands, Enough's Enough. And they started at 3.30 p.m. Did anybody here see Enough's Enough? Yeah, I think we all did. Okay. Oh, uh, we all did not. <laughs> Sonny did not. He wouldn't go to that. That doesn't surprise me. I enjoyed them. I, I, I walked in. They were, I don't know, they were doing some Beatles song, which actually, I don't like really like the Beatles, but it actually sounded pretty good. And then I went up and I sat with uh, Steven and Jen. I enjoyed them. I, you know, I don't care what Sonny says. I like them. I think Chip is very entertaining and, and the band is, band is great. Yeah. BC, did you see him? Yes. Uh, 
we caught them from up top. I mean, uh, enough's enough. I mean, I always think they're good. I mean, they're, they're not going to change the world. Don't get me wrong, but good band. Yeah. Boo boo. Well, I, I saw them and they were what I expected. I knew what I was getting when I went in and I was happy with what I got. All right. Because it's the first uh, show of the cruise, it never really conflicts with anything. So myself and Jen went because one, we like Studio B. So we stuck our heads and sat down. It was touted as enough's enough's hard rock night, I think is what they touted. So I just thought that they were going to be doing all Beatles covers, to be honest, because the latest album was all Beatle related covers. They didn't just play Beatles. They played two or three Beatles tunes from the album and they played some of their stuff. I thought they were decent. I think Jen thought they were decent as well. I mean, I've always liked Enough's Enough, so I got no problem. I'd much rather see him with Donnie, but it's fine. Tori's a great guitar player, so I enjoyed it. And they seem to have a decent crowd. Let's see. At 345 was Rhino Bucket in the Royal Theater. I didn't catch any of that because I had seen them recently on Monsters on the Mountain. So I didn't feel like I needed to see them at the Royal Theater. And because they had played the pre-party, that was their last show on board. So good for them because they got it out of the way before the cruise and they can enjoy the whole cruise to themselves, which is awesome. From there, it was back on pool deck at 430 for the Blackout Sail Away photo announcements and the uh, Secret Sail Away Band, which honestly... I hadn't talked to anybody and I had no idea who the Sail Away band was going to be. At one point when I thought it was supposed to happen, because it was supposed to happen at 4.30 and we were out there, I texted Sonny and I said, I said, hey, the Sail Away band's going to be heat because I just saw the bass player testing his gear out. You know, if you're not up here, get up here because I didn't know how long it was going to be before they started. Sure enough, the surprise Sail Away band was heat. So we didn't have to wait long to get a dose of them and get to see what Kenny, the new singer, uh, was going to be like. So I'm pretty sure that most of us caught that. Uh, so, yeah, all of us obviously caught this thing. You know, surprise band. OK, I guess it's a surprise that we didn't know it was heat. We knew heat was on the ship. So how is that a surprise? So I guess we can talk about that later. I don't like it when it starts late. And, you know, I'm going to bring this up several times. These guys got to figure out a way to stay on time. Like they mess up a lot of things when they start getting late, but that's another deal too. I thought he sounded good. Uh, the pool stage for me, the production's always a little bit rough out there, especially if it's windy or there's weather impact. And you know they were missing their keyboard player Jonah, and they don't have a second guitar player. So you know I know they tried to use tracks to try to make it work, but it just didn't have the same punch. And I don't think that was Kenny's fault. I thought Kenny did fine. Kenny did what he does. That's fine. It's not what Eric does. That's fine. But I think Jonah missing was probably the part that we, that I noticed more than Eric missing. Yeah. Steve, right. I'll, I'll just kind of uh, piggyback on what Sonny said. Time-wise, this first day was an absolute clusterfuck. Everything was late. It got to one point where you have like the, the pool stage studio B and the theater going at the same time. Initially, they were supposed to be kind of spread apart more so you'd have more of a chance to check out, you know, someone here and there. But, like, there was one point where everybody was crammed on a different stage at the same time. And, like, that night ran really late because I, I think, like, the last bands, they didn't get done until after two. And you're right, Sonny. Like, we, literally, we were talking probably the maybe the third day that and, – and I said it several times. I did more waiting than rocking the first two days of the cruise. Mm-hmm. Boo-boo? I enjoyed Heat. I think the, the, that new guy, Kenny – New old guy, I guess, Kenny. He was really good. Thought the sound was okay. All the delays the first day kind of is a downer. How about you, BC? Uh, heat's good. I mean, uh, the new old guy, I mean, I don't know. I, 
my first experience with Heat was the last cruise, and they ripped it up with the Eric. I don't know what it is, but when he starts doing the jumping jacks, I see that mo- you know what I'm talking about the monkey with the symbols clapping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I automatically see that. That's funny because when I picture the monkey with the symbols doing the clapping, I always picture Steve Wright. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go, go ahead, BC. What were what else were you guys say? I'm sorry. No, I mean they, they were good. Like you said, it, it's rough. They were missing the keyboard, and that's a, a big part of our sound. But uh, they were good. And, and the surprise band should be a surprise, surprise band, yeah. like a, a different band. There was one later in the week that, that we'll talk about later. And actually, I'm not sure which night it was on. That was actual a surprise thing, but uh, this was not a surprise. Yeah, so I agree with everything you guys said, right? The delays, which, to be honest, I mean, listen, the delays at the pool stage this year were way less than what was happening in 2020. When we got on the boat in 2020 with Bullet Boys being the Sail Away Band, the stage wasn't even built yet. So it was way better than that year. However, the delays are, I mean, it's rough. And At the same time, I kind of understand it because literally they can't start working on all the staging and production till the night of that last cruise, the two-day cruise that we were on. They can't start working on stuff. They got all the stuff on board, the two-day cruise that Jen and I sailed. And then I talked to one of the production guys in the elevator and I said, do you guys start working on all this stuff these two days and he goes no all we can do is get it on board and get it roped off and he said the night that y'all go to sleep the night before we pull back into the port of miami is when they start building stuff and so like i kind of understand that from that standpoint and uh, somebody told us like the supervisor for the pool stage popped positive when he got tested uh the day before so they didn't have a pool supervisor. I'm sure they flew somebody else in right away to take over the duties and all that. But that is one thing that uh, I did hear going forward. Did anybody hear why Jonah wasn't on the boat? Maybe he got swallowed by the whale. So that's a no, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jen just pulled up a thing uh, from Heat on their webpage that said, uh, at Jonah T miss you. And then in parentheses, stop being positive. So maybe he popped positive before he, uh, came over to the States. And, uh, that's why he wasn't there. That's a possibility. I don't know. But anyway, so moving on to six 30 in the star lounge, Jeff Scott Soto and, uh, Jason Beeler. Did anybody catch that? We did not. We went to dinner that night. Anybody else? Nope. All right, 6.45 in the B Lounge, Bisto Blanco. I know myself and Jen were there. I know Sonny uh, was there. Uh, what about the rest of you? We didn't catch that one. I don't, I don't know why. Okay, well, I know we had to make a decision. This was the first decision of the cruise for us because it was either Bisto Blanco at 6.45 in Studio B or Buck Cherry in the Royal Theater at 7 p.m. We caught Bisto Blanco. Both Jen and I thought their show was good. I mean, they're always entertaining, but we'll get a little bit more into this performance versus the pool stage performance. Sonny, your thoughts? Yeah, so I left Heat early to go catch Bisto because Heat wasn't done yet. And my thing was, I did not know if Bisto was going to end up on the pool stage. Now, we got a five-day itinerary that said their next show was going to be on the pool stage. 
but I didn't know if that five-day itinerary was going to stick or not. And there was no way I was going to miss Bisto in Studio B. Like, either in Studio B or Royal Theater, their show's going to come off banging. I thought the show was amazing. You know, you got Calico kind of slithering, sexy, owning the stage. She did more lead vocals. The overall band sounded great. But Bisto is Bisto, and there's a visual piece of it, and there's a music piece of it. They got to be together for it to work. And when Calico leaves the stage for two or three songs, they start losing something. Then, to me, they're a below-average Rob Zombie, right? But then when she comes back on, and I kind of call her the mascot of the band because that's basically what she is, there's a piece that she's adding that is not there when she isn't there. But I thought, overall, I thought Bisto did great. Yeah, I thought the Bisto Blanco show was decent, Jen did as well. But I think hindsight 2020, and we always do this um, on every cruise, I think that we would have been entertained much more and would have enjoyed Buck Cherry in the Royal Theater on that first performance rather than the Bisto Blanco in the Studio B. And that's just us. And that's not to say that Bisto Blanco was bad. A lot of people raved about the Buck Cherry show, that first performance in the Royal Theater. And uh, so it's all good. You still entertain one way or another. Next up was Killer Dwarves on the pool stage. I didn't catch any of that. Did anybody else in this group catch any of that show? Yeah, we us us guys did. I I tell you what, I really enjoyed that show. I I did. The funny thing was, um, I hate the tricycle thing, Killer Dwarfs. I know it's their stick, but it's so fucking stupid. But after he had, he didn't ride it, thank God. But he was kind of twirling it around and shit. And the bass player was right at the drum riser playing, and Russ flings it, and it just missed the bass player's head. I mean, he had to feel the wind of it come down, and he was pissed. You you can tell he tried to play it off, but he was pissed off. I mean, he almost brained him with that fucking tricycle. It was a really good set. I enjoyed it. What'd you guys think, Granza? I liked it. You know, they're always entertaining. Russ, he's a little out there. Oh he, yeah, he likes yeah. to talk. He does. Okay. He does. It was good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they sounded great up there. I mean, they did almost a dwarf fight. <laughs> I mean, other than that, good set list. I mean, energy is like they said. Russ is talking. He's Cracking jokes. Dwayne Miller, fantastic on drums. Dwayne, yeah. We met him in the elevators, but uh, good show overall. Yeah, so then we moved to the uh, Star Lounge for the first surprise band. Now, let me let me say this. This year, more than any other year, Mort put a bunch of quote-unquote surprise bands on the list. You heard Sonny and Steve both talk about surprise bands. It's not really a surprise if they're already on the boat. At least that's the way we look at it. I, I tend to agree. The surprise band is uh, you didn't put the band name on the schedule, so you don't know who's going to show up in the Star Lounge. I think we knew ahead of time that this performance was going to be a band called Bad Marriage out of Boston. And if you're unfamiliar with the Monsters of Rock Cruise, there's generally three stages that people play the Royal Theater, Studio B, and the pool stage. But they also have this, what they call Star Lounge. And the Star Lounge really should be held to just comedy and acoustic performances, but they don't. They use it as a full-on venue. The stage is about a foot and a half off the ground. So unless you're right up front standing, you don't ever see the band. All you see is the band's heads. So I almost refuse exclusively to go to see a band in the Star Lounge because I don't want to see them in that in that setting. Uh, that's just me personally. So I didn't see Bad Marriage in the Star Lounge. Did anybody else? No, we didn't catch them at all. 
Did anybody catch dueling pianos with Tyson Leslie and Will Doherty from Poison's band in the Schooner Lounge? We we did just kind of walking through. Walking through it, or- it, it sounded cool, but we didn't really stay. It was just kind of a passing through thing. Okay. I will tell you, Will Doughty can fucking sing. I know Tyson's good. I'm telling you, Will is better. Yeah, and I've never even heard of this guy. Some, like I said, somebody said he's part of Poison's touring band or whatever, but I don't know him beyond that. And I didn't even know him for that because it's not like they publicize a keyboard player. Anybody else ever heard of this guy before? Never heard of him. Okay, just another talented guy, I'm sure. At 9.30, Kicks was set to play Studio B. Now, what's different this year than all the past years is Kicks is pretty much a mainstay on the Monsters of Rock cruise. They're a huge draw, and their shows are usually definitely packed. And they usually put them either on the pool stage or the Royal Theater, which are the two biggest venues on the boat. For some reason, they decided that it'd be fun to have Kicks play both their shows in Studio B. Now, Again, I love Studio B. It's my favorite venue. But to put a big band in there is kind of rough because, first of all, it started didn't start on time. So the lines were wrapped all through the boat, around the corners, through the elevators, through the uh, stairwells. It's ridiculous. You should never have to wait to see a band. They should just open up the damn doors and let you go in and sit. But they didn't. So it was super late and getting started. I actually walked away from this show because I was like, I'm not standing for 20 minutes. Nobody can tell you when they're going to open the doors. I was just like, screw that. So I walked away and came back later on after the show had started and caught most of the set. But I think I missed the first two or three songs. I'm always entertained by kicks. So I'll always go see kicks unless it's directly in conflict with something. It wasn't in conflict with anything for me. So both Jen and I went and sat down once the doors opened, caught the last part of the kick set. Loved it. Sonny, did you catch any of this? I uh, know because uh, Cotson was 15 minutes later. So I was playing cards waiting out Cotson. Cool. Steve, BC, uh, Steve, did you guys catch this? I did. I, I caught part of uh, probably a lion's share of kicks. And then I left there and I, I went into Cotson as well. For me, kicks is kicks. They're always, they're always fantastic. Great song selection. Great energy. Steve Whiteman wanted to be called Sir Fucker this year. So uh, <laughs> we were able to accommodate him in that. So then I went to Cotson after that. And I really enjoyed Richie's, uh, what I saw of his set. Any of the rest of you uh, see kicks? Yeah. Kicks is kicks and always entertaining. Yeah. Okay. So they put on a consistent performance. They were good. I think the majority of us, at least myself and Jen, Steve, sounds like you as well. We all went straight to Kotzen after that because we wanted to catch some of Kotzen's show in the Royal Theater. And for me and Jen, it didn't disappoint. Kotzen was really good. Like he was on. We walked in and sat in the balcony and really enjoyed uh, the part of the set that we saw in the Royal Theater. Steve, it sounds like you also caught part of that. Granza, you and uh, BC were there as well for that? No. Had a drink or something. Okay. All right. Steve, tell me about your experience at Kotzen now. Yeah, I, I just, I, I enjoyed him. I think he's a, a great artist. I The only things I can name from him are some Winery Dog songs. I, I could not name one song that, that he played live, but I just admire his talent and his band was fantastic. And it was, it was just a three-piece. And um, I, I have to say, every time I talk about Richie Cotson, he does not play with a pick. It's insane that he does not for how he shreds. Sonny, you're our Cotson expert. How was that first show in the World Theater? It was great. He was in a good mood. Uh, he was looking GQ instead of homeless, so that was good. <laughs> two, uh, 
two of the things that he does that people, you know, unless you're a Prince fan or a Hall and Oates fan, you just don't connect them is one is he has stage control like Prince. So basically he's cueing the drummer and the bass player on what he wants to do when he wants to do it. So there isn't really this set. Okay. This song will be four minutes and 22 seconds today. It, it could be two minutes. It could be 22 minutes. It just kind of is how he feels. And then the other thing is if you really know his music and you want to sing along, you can't because he does what Daryl Hall does, which is the melodies are never the same. He's always just kind of letting the lyrics flow through him. The lyrics are the same, but they not might not be saying exactly the same. So I love that about him. And then in the set, he did doing what the devil says to do. And then he went to remember and I was getting chills. Great set. Great set. Yeah, agree 100%. So from there, they had a, a Q&A on the Royal Promenade with the clips. I don't generally check out the Q&As because I'd rather see live music. I don't really care about Q&As. Rock videos uh, this year that was different than uh, the previous years. Is they had a huge movie screen on the Royal Promenade. They would show videos and show movies. So that was interesting. The surprise band at 11 o'clock on the pool stage. I don't remember what this was. What? Who was this? So I left Kotzen and I go straight to the pool stage because nobody was talking about who the surprise band was. Uh -huh. I get there. They're already playing. And the first person I notice, obviously, is Ted Poley. So immediately, I think it's Tokyo Motor Fist, right? So I text you guys, hey, it's Tokyo Motor Fist if you want to come <laughs> see him. Then I start looking around and I'm like, oh, wait a second. These aren't the Tokyo Motor Fist guys. So then I'm like, oh, this must be a rendition of Danger, Danger. So I think I text you guys, go, no, it's probably Danger, Danger instead. Then I'm looking around going, wait a second, I don't know any of these guys, right? <laughs> so then Ted stops after a song or two and says, we formed in two days, and I'm calling this the Ted Poley Band. I would tell you, it sounded like he formed it in two bands because it was ba-fucking-brutal. <laughs> it was – that's how I no. thought it was Tokyo Motor Fist. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Sonny is incorrect. Okay, Steve. <laughs> help fantastic. us out. Help us out, it Steve. I enjoyed it. I think Ted Poley is a fantastic front man. His solo stuff is good. He played some of that. He played some Danger Danger. I, I enjoyed it. He Sonny is the he one that is Barutol when it comes to this. But I, I enjoyed it because I was looking at this trying to think of when Ted Poley played. So that was really one of the only actual surprises of the cruise that was supposed to be a surprise. Yeah, it's like finding shit in your bed. Surprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So this is what we love about music, right? Everybody can have opinion. It's okay. Right and wrong opinions. That's all right. But look, Steve liked it. BC, uh, how are your feelings on this? You enjoy it? Yes, I, I'm a fan of Ted Pauly. I mean, one of the, the M3s we went to one year, there was a Sunday show somewhere else, and he was one of the second last. I second think. to last guy. And his band then was phenomenal. All right. How about you, Granza? Loved it. Big, big fan. All right. So we got three loves and one hate, but there's no surprise there. I didn't see it. So there you go. So at 1115 in the Star Lounge was this band Stop Stop from England. And a lot of people were hyped about this band. I didn't see the Star Lounge performance because, again, I'm not going to the Star Lounge to see a band. So I didn't see it. A lot of people came out of it. A lot of people were raving about it. A lot of people liked this band on the cruise. And I'll talk a little bit more about them later on because I did check out a show later on so I can talk to that. But then 
you go to, let's see, Electric Boys in Studio B at 1215. Electric Boys were a band I was looking forward to seeing from Sweden. They've been around. They had that hit way back when in the 80s called Lips and Hips. They're kind of a funky, bluesy rock band. So I was kind of looking forward to seeing it. I went to the Electric Boys in Studio B by myself. Jen had already turned in for the night. I dug them. I thought they were solid. They're just pretty solid rock band. There was nothing necessarily special about them. They weren't particularly exciting on stage, but I thought they sounded good. I thought they were good musicians, and I like a lot of their music and a lot of their albums. So I enjoyed the Electric Boys in Studio B. Okay, so what'd you guys think? What were your thoughts on it? So for me, uh, good musicians, the music definitely has some groove. They were a little boring. So I would uh, equate it to meh. How about you, BC? I was really looking forward to uh, seeing these guys. So uh, they came out and they opened up with that uh, Psychedelic Eyes off their first album. I love that song. It was, it, it was good. sounded good. But there, there was no energy. They just turned up there playing the music. And to me, that was, I don't know, not a turn off, but I was expecting something else, I think. But overall, they, they were good, but not what I thought they would be. Yeah, I think I pretty much uh, agree with that. They, Like I said, they weren't real exciting live, but I do dig the music. Also at 12.15, closing out the night in the Royal Theater was Resistant Bite, Tommy Skia's band. I didn't go to any of the Resistant Bite performances simply because I'd seen them at the Rock and Pod pre-party thing, and I was okay with that. I didn't necessarily need to see them on the boat unless they weren't conflicting with anything else. So I didn't catch them. Uh, anybody else catch the show? No, none of us did. All right. So that was pretty much the closeout for day one. As as far as I was concerned, we hung out and did some talking, did some stuff afterwards, but no, no shows or anything like that. Did anybody go to karaoke that night? We didn't. I will tell you, I did catch stop, stop at the star lounge and, the Star Lounge didn't do them any favors from a production point of view. Mm-hmm. Neither did their songs or their singer. Okay. Just saying. Yeah, fair fair <laughs> enough. Okay, so then we move on to day two. Day two had a few things happen and a few activities in the morning. And then the concerts kicked off at 1.30 on the pool stage with one of the bands I was most excited to see, which is Crazy Licks from Sweden. These were one of the Euro bands I was excited I thought they were good. Definitely some interesting choices in their set, which I'll let some of these other guys talk about. But they came out, and for the first three songs, they kicked ass. It's after that third song that things got a little bit strange. Sonny, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was good. They opened up with Rise Above, and uh, you know, I didn't need the three-minute intermission interlude later, but uh, they were good. Steve Wright. Yeah, they were good, and I'm, I'm with Sonny. There was two things, that little crazy – they went off stage for three minutes to take off their shirts, whatever. Then they did the one thing where they came out with the, the jumpsuits on and the, the Freddy mask and the knife. So I don't know if they were trying to do like an Ice Nine Kills kind of thing, but that kind of threw me. They lost me – had me in the beginning, lost me in the middle, brought me back at the end. Boo-boo. Uh, I liked them. I'm not really familiar with their whole catalog, but uh, I thought they were entertaining. I enjoyed it. Glad I saw them. BC? Very entertaining. They were one of my – Favorites of the cruise.
I'm with you 100%, Steve. They kicked my ass at the beginning, they lost me in the middle, and they got me back at the end. From there, we went to Studio B with Firewind. This was another band I was sort of excited to see with Gus G on guitar. For me, it was a little bit of a letdown. I think it's great for one or two songs, but then it kind of gets old, and it was just kind of okay for me. Uh, Sonny? I thought Gus G killed it himself. I think it's weird for metal bands to use backing tracks. I think one person should do all the talking. So Gus and the singer can't do talking. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And the problem with power metal is it's not fun, so it's got no energy. Steve Wright? Yeah, I, I, I was looking forward to these guys, too. And I agree with Sonny. Gus G just totally killed it, but very low-energy show. It was good. We, I didn't even stay for the whole thing, but I enjoyed the playing, but they were just low-energy. B.C.? I agree with Steve. I mean, the guitar player and it's Gus G. That was good. The rest of the band was kind of meh. Granza. What the other two guys said. Yeah. So from there, we go to uh, Nestor in the Royal Theater. This was a band that I kind of liked the record, but it's a little light for me. So I was interested to see them. They're opening up for Heat on their upcoming tour. So I was going to check it out. It wasn't really conflicting with anything else. So both Jen and I went. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I thought that they, the singer was really, really good. They played a short set, like 35, 40 minutes, because they basically only have one album out. But I kind of likened them to, like, about the heaviness of, say, a Honeymoon Suite or something like that. They're not really a, I wouldn't classify them as a hard rock band or a metal band or anything like that. They're very, just very melodic. So I thought they were decent. Uh, Sonny? I thought Nestor sounded great. Uh, I liked that the live aspect brought the songs in harder versus the heavy keyboards on the album. And uh, I thought that song with Gabby Ray was great. Yeah, Steve Wright? Yeah, I, I really wasn't very familiar with these guys at all. I think I heard one song from them before. They surprised me. I thought they were really good. Like like you said, very very melodic. And the Gabby Ray song was, was uh, awesome with them, too. Chris? Same as, as Steve and Sonny. I didn't know anything about them going in, and I'm glad I, I was able to catch both sets. BC? Never heard of these guys before, but now I'm a fan. Cool. The, on the record, they do a duet with Samantha Fox. Obviously, she couldn't be there, so they bought in Gabby Ray, who was on the cruise, and it, uh, it came off great. It was a really good rendition. From then, we move on to Signal 13 in the Star Lounge. I didn't see them at all on the cruise. Did any of you guys catch them in the Star Lounge? No. Yeah, I, I shot in the Star Lounge there. I stayed for like two songs because if you're not in the first like three rows of people, you can't see them. You're lucky if you can see the tops of their heads. Yeah. The music sounded good. It was 8,000 degrees in there, so I only caught a little bit of them, but I liked what I heard. Okay. At 5 o'clock, it was the Sail Away. I should say we were at Coco Cay this day. That first day we were at the private island, Coco Cay. Uh, so we did spend some time on the private island, at least Jen and I did. And uh, the Sail Away band was lit on the pool stage. And I missed this show, and I'm a little disappointed I missed it because I heard it was really good. Sonny, did you catch lit on the pool stage at all? I didn't because they started late and there was no way I was missing a second of the next band. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Wright, how about you? Did you catch any of Lit on the pool stage? No, ditto. I, I, we were we were all in for the next show. Yeah. Same for you, uh, Chris and BC? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the next show, which is what we're all alluding to, was the first Eclipse show 
of the cruise. And that was in Studio B. And there wasn't a person in this traveling group that was going to miss out on that. So we were all there for Studio B in the first Eclipse show. For me, it was amazing. I mean, I thought they sounded great. I thought they commanded the stage. I thought they came out. They had a good set list. I enjoyed 100% of Studio B and Eclipse. To me, it was what Studio B, it was what the first heat show that I saw in Studio B the previous year. I, fe- I felt like the energy in the crowd was that. Uh, there were a lot of people there to see Eclipse on this cruise. And so I thought that first show was really uh, strong. Sonny, your thoughts? I thought the show was outstanding. Eclipse started the set with three new songs. So they're obviously not following the rules that American bands say you've got to follow. And even though Eclipse was outstanding, they weren't the best of the night. Steve Wright. I tell you what, uh, you guys got to see them on Monsters of Rock, I think, 2019. This was the very first time that I got to see them. And actually, all my guys here, I have the set list if you want me to read it real quick. Go for it. Okay. Uh, Roses on Your Grave. Saturday night, run for cover, like Sonny said, uh, three new songs. The Storm, I don't want to say I'm sorry, I think is that the name of that song. Hurt, Downfall of Eden, which was, oh my God, that's one of my favorite songs from those guys. Uh, Blood Enemies, Bleed and Scream, Black Rain, and Viva La, La Victoria. I had high expectations for these guys, and they did not let me down for one second. I love when Eric brings out that big hollow body guitar. Aces for me. It was a good set. I will say this. It, for me, Eric loves Downfall of Eden, and I get it. And it's not a bad song. When he played Hurt and Downfall of Eden back to back for me, it takes a little bit of the energy out of the set. That's the only criticism I have for that first set. It was a great set. It's a great show. But that that little bit of energy being taken out of the set with those two back to back songs was slightly disappointing for me. But that's really all I'll say. BC? I think that gives it a little breathing room. Yeah, I don't like to breathe. BC? Uh, I knew very little of this band. I mean, I heard some songs from them, but uh, after seeing them live, oof, blew me away. Granza. I thought they were excellent. From there, Karabi was playing at the Star Lounge at 6 o'clock. That was the same time as Eclipse, so I'm guessing we all missed that. Winger at the Royal Theater at 645. I know that we went, Jen and I went straight from Eclipse, the end of Eclipse, to the Royal Theater for Winger. I know that when we got there, it was so damn jam-packed. We tried both levels, and it was just packed. We couldn't find a place to seat. I think we ended up... Did we end up finding a place in the balcony for Winger? Yeah. Okay, so we ended up finding a little place to sit for uh, the Winger show in the balcony. Listen, I've seen Winger a bunch of times, and they never disappoint. They're just damn good musicians, and they sounded great to me, and I thought they were kick ass in the Royal Lounge on this particular cruise. Sonny, what were your thoughts on this? Eclipse was outstanding. Winger blew them away. Just the medley of the band members, Kip sounding great, and then you mix that in with the Rage in the Cage, which is the four of us other idiots, being kind of in the stairwell way, standing up, screaming at the top of our lungs. Winger was outstanding. Steve Wright. Yeah, I, I'm with Sonny. It, there was actually uh, the three of us guys here at the table, and Sonny, we were down in the aisle. By the time they got done, we were like almost right up to the stage, and they just kicked our asses. By far, in my opinion, the most talented band on the boat. Boo boo. Winger gets better every time I see them. I absolutely love them. BC? <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs>
So I remember looking to Jen when we walked out of the winger show and I said something to the effect of, I just saw the two best back-to-back performances I think I've ever seen on, on Mork. I mean, from the eclipse show to the winger show and then walking out of that winger show, I was just like, holy shit. I got my ass kicked for an hour and a half, easy, hour and 40. So good. So damn good. Resistant Bite on the pool stage at 8 o'clock. I think that we went to dinner after this. So I didn't see any of that. Sonny, did you see any of that? Resistant Bite and Vandenberg will be the same to me for the rest of my life. I saw four songs and I will never see them again. Fair enough. Steve Wright. We didn't catch any of those. Okay. There's a lot going on here, but nothing major. So we definitely went to dinner. Jen and I went to dinner at this time because there was Tough in the Star Lounge at 8.15, which I didn't see any of. Slaughter in Studio B at 8.45. Again, I didn't see any of that. I saw Slaughter at Monsters on the Mountain. And for me, Mark just screams the entire time. And I just, I, I didn't need to see it anymore. And I'm a Slaughter fan, but I did not like them from that standpoint the last couple of times that I've seen them. So did anybody here see any of Tough or Slaughter? We did nope. not. No. Sonny? Nope. Neither one. Okay. Dueling Pianos with Tyson and Will, again, in the Schooner Bar. Did anybody see this on the second opportunity? Nope. No. Dangerous Toys in the Roll Theater at 9.15. I know that we went to that. I thought it was okay. I thought they were much better in Atlanta. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled with that performance in the Roll Theater. Sonny? Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen Dangerous Toys. And they're not doing anything to gain any new fans. Like, it's the same old shtick, same old music, obviously. They had a new song in there, sound like all the old shit. And there's just too many people talking on stage. Like, I get it. There's a little shtick, and Jason's trying to be funny, and the other guy's trying to enjoy themselves. I would barely put this show at meh. Steve, right? Yeah, they were I, – I just didn't like how they sounded. They, they just did not sound like the dangerous toys that I uh, know and loved. They were okay, but I, I just thought they sounded like shit. BC. I agree with Steve. Granza? I don't even think I went to that. Yeah, uh, my wife's opinion wasn't high either of that particular show. Nerd Halen in the Star Lounge. Star Lounge, out for me. Sonny, did you see any of this? Yeah, I think me and Boo Boo went in for about 10 minutes just to see like how they were dressed and stuff. And the place was absolutely packed. We heard like a half a song and we bolted. It would have been better if they were played somewhere else, but you just couldn't get into it with so many people being crammed in. All right, and they were going up against Tokyo Motor Fist on the pool stage at 1045. My guess is, Steve Wright, you were there for that? No, I didn't. I I, I totally missed that. I, I caught a little bit of nerd hailing, and I must have missed these guys by a couple seconds. I stayed for like a song and a half, and then um, they were up against uh, another band that I that I wanted to see more because I'd seen Tokyo Motor Fist twice in the last one, and this other one that's next, I didn't, I've never seen him, so I was looking forward to that. All right, BC, same thing? Yeah, I was with Sonny and those guys. Okay. And Sonny, I know you skipped it all together. Me and Jen skipped it all together. So I think we all ended up at Studio B at 11.15 for the first Soto set, correct? Yes. Yep. All right. Jen and I loved the first uh, set by Soto. Uh, he was doing kind of a retrospective. He His band... God, there's not much I can say about his band. His band is ridiculous. They're stupid, stupid good. And I love the retrospective. I mean, he did a bunch of stuff. I loved everything he did. And I especially liked the fun thing at the end that he did with all the kind of disco and funk stuff 
to me, that was fun. It was different than anything else you're going to get on the cruise. And so I personally enjoyed it. I think Jen personally enjoyed it as well. Sonny, your thoughts on the first Soto set? Uh, yeah, Soto's band is stupid good. I thought the medleys and his whole set list was great. There was two things I didn't like. Well, one thing I didn't like about it, one thing we found out later. One is they were filling in for Chris Holmes, so nobody knew that Soto was there and Studio B was empty. Was it just fucking ridiculous in my point of view? And then we ran into Howie Simon a couple of days later, and I guess everything was fucked on backline and all that kind of stuff. So Howie was like ready to leave the stage and break his guitar to pieces. So they didn't think the show went off well. I thought it was pretty good. Steve Wright? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I was really looking forward to this show. I've never seen Jeff Scott Soto in any form live ever, and I was not disappointed. That was an incredibly fun show. I loved the these people started doing a conga line in the thing and he stopped the show. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? I've never seen this at a show. And he got a kick out of it, and it was just fun. It was a fun show. The Ingve shit they did, Howie uh, Simon just totally kicked ass on it. Fantastic fucking show. The conga line thing. Uh, so I think that comes from a lot of Soto's fan base is Brazilian. I know some of the members in his band are Brazilian. Steve's right. They started a conga line right out in the middle of the audience. And at the end of that conga line was Eric Martinson, which made me laugh because uh, the Eclipse guys were out there supporting Soto as well. And they tried to get the whole band to join the conga line. But I think Eric Martinson was the only one they were able to pull into it. BC, what were your thoughts? I, I loved it. It was like I said, fun show. Sounded great. Granza? That was the first opportunity I, I was able to catch him, and I'm glad I, I did. I thought he was fantastic. Way better than I thought it was going to be. Cool. From there, we moved to the last shows of the night. Midnight had the Killer Dwarves in the Royal Theater. I think Jen by this time had turned in. I went to the Killer Dwarves because of the last opportunity to catch them. I enjoyed the Dwarves. I did not, however, enjoy this show. Uh, I caught a few songs and was bored. They played a, two or three acoustic songs back to back. I was, I was definitely like, meh. Sonny, did you catch any of this? Almost the exact same thing as Enough's Enough. I walked in, I listened for about three minutes, and I'm like, wow, is that a tricycle? And I walked out. Steve Wright. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed the pool stage show a thousand times better than this one. This one lacked everything. I was doing a sunny wow on that one. Now we didn't stay long for that one. That was the last band of the night because the rest of the night was karaoke and uh, Izzy's Cruiser Jam in the Star Lounge, which was uh, Cheap Trick songs, if I'm not mistaken. Sonny, you and Boo Boo went to uh, some of the karaoke, I think. Oh, my God. Karaoke was fucking jammed. And Boo Boo, is this the night that Tone was tore up? It was. He, well, he was charging five bucks for the girls trying to walk by him. <laughs> the girl goes, why are you charging five bucks? I go, because he's broke as fuck. That's why. <laughs> so to people that don't know much about the karaoke on the Monsters of Rock cruise, Sonny, can you explain a little bit about what goes down at these things? Yeah. So basically what happens is at the end of the night, there's a bar kind of on one side of the of the room and basically you can sign up for karaoke and do karaoke if you want uh so you have cruisers that are doing karaoke you've got blando went up there and did still the night oh my god he killed yeah. still the night yeah. so better than i've heard in a long time anyway so it's kind of the end of the night everybody turn in this is the last thing going on but it lasts till like two or three o'clock in the morning the problem is you got four thousand people with nowhere to go so even if 
15 to 20% of them decide they want to go to karaoke, it's five to 800 people in that room. I don't think that room holds more than 600. So it's a pretty tight fit. Very, very, very tight. Yeah, I don't even think it holds that, like 500. But yeah, you can never move in the Viking Lounge on a Mort cruise during karaoke. So nine times out of 10, I just watch the YouTube video and I see stuff. Boo-boo, your thoughts on this since you went with him? It's fun, but it's – I don't like being crammed in like that. I, I kind of get – Nervous? Yeah. I'm a nervous guy to begin with, so I, I have to look for my way out, and unfortunately, I couldn't see it, so I had to make my own way out. <laughs> and I think this night was the night that myself, Steve, and BC got some pizza on the promenade and sat with Courtney and the guys from Nerd Halen came over and uh, stopped in. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, that was that was that night. We had a nice conversation with Courtney and the guys Nerd Halen stopped by, had a decent little conversation with them. And uh, it was it was the fun into a, to a good evening. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, most of the nights ended with pizza on the promenade. That's just how it is at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> True. OK, so day three uh, starts and day three gets kicked off uh, around 10 o'clock with a lot of different events, painting, stuff like that. Sonny, you did painting classes we didn't even talk about, but this was one that you and Steve did uh, with the painting class uh, with uh, Jeff Scott Soto and Richie Cotson, right? Yeah, so I did two painting things. I did one on Thursday morning with uh, Chuck Garrett, John Karabi, Don Jameson, Gabby Ray, and me and Leslie did that one. And we painted an Alice Cooper picture. But on Friday, which was the day I had to wear the shirt because I lost the bet that I'll let Righty talk about, uh, mm -hmm. we went and painted with uh, Jeff Scott Soto, Richard Cotton, Jason Beeler, and uh, Julia was there too, by the way. And we painted a picture of Hendrix. Yeah, and you can see those pictures. I threw those pictures up on the Facebook page. So if you're wondering what that looks like, just go there and check that out. The two ports of call for this cruise were Cozumel and Coco Cay. We got off at Coco Cay and enjoyed some sun and fun there, but we did not get off in Cozumel. So the ports of calls on these cruises usually to me are second you know, it's no big deal because oftentimes it's all about the bands and they have bands playing during the port of call, which technically I sort of wish they didn't do, but they do. And so it forces you to find out what the schedule is beforehand. So other than the painting class, nothing really got started until 1130. This uh, artist named Alex, yes, just one name, Alex, played on the pool stage in an acoustic set. This was an artist that was bought to Monsters of Rock because Brian Wheat, the bass player in Tesla, is producing his album. So they bought him on. He did a bunch of cover songs. I thought he was good for what he was, but nothing really special to me. Did anybody catch Alex? Yeah, we were up all the way up on the top watching him, and I thought he was really good. Yeah. Okay. From there at noon, I know this was something that, Steve, you were excited to see, which was Pat Travers' band in the Royal Theater. I saw Pat Travers at Monsters on the Mountain. I've seen him on the cruise before, so I didn't need to see him again. We skipped that together. Steve Wright, how about you? Yeah, I there were probably three different times where I was cities. Pat Travers was literally playing like the night I was leaving or the day before I got there. So I, this was a must see for me. I went to the Royal theater uh, by myself. I really, really enjoyed the show and he was as good as I thought he was going to be. And I'm, I'm very glad I went so I could check him off of my, my bucket list of guys that I've never seen that I really wanted to very good show. Anybody else, Sonny, you didn't bother with this, right? No, I didn't. Cause uh, after the painting, 
I wanted to do the photo experience. So I think I went to the room for a minute. Yeah. So the photo experience, for those that are unfamiliar with Mort, they have these photo experiences where they line up three or four bands in a room and you just kind of go around the horn and they quick snap a picture with you in the band for this particular photo experience. And I think this changed a little, but it was supposed to be Bisto Blanco, Red Voodoo and Slaughter. What did it end up being, Sonny? It ended up being Bisto Blanco, Nerd Halen and Slaughter without Mark. <laughs> which which is interesting, but okay. Uh, and so how was that for you? Uh, it was good. Right. He went with me Two out of these three bands, enjoyed the shirt I was wearing. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why. And uh, it was good. All right. So, Righty, talk a little bit about the bet and the shirt that Sonny was wearing on this particular day. Okay. Uh, Sonny and I have been going back and forth since we were sharing a cabin together of who was going to rule the playlist in the cabin. And as you know, Sonny is not a fan of a lot of the bands I am, like uh, Halloween and Accept and all that kind of stuff. So I was in Rush. So I was going to load it up. So we had a bet on the Bills-Chiefs game. Whoever won straight up got the pick, the playlist for the cabin. And if Sonny won, he would get the playlist. And then every time we talked to someone, I would have to tell them that Sonny was the smartest person I ever met. That would have really hurt. And so, as we all know, that the Chiefs ended up winning that game with 13 seconds left. So Sonny lost the bet. So he had to buy and wear a Halloween shirt for a whole day. <laughs> and I got control of the playlist. So, and it was awesome because every time I seen someone, I had him take a picture with Sonny with the Halloween shirt. <laughs> and the best part of it was that. He is in love with Jeff Scott Soto and Richie Kotzen, and they got a picture of both of them together with the Halloween shirt on. <laughs> gold, Jerry, gold. <laughs> but the, uh, the photo experience with Bisto Blanco, Nerd Halen, and Slaughter was really cool, and it was Bisto Blanco and Nerd Halen that really commented on Sonny's shirt. They loved it. So uh, you're wrong, Sonny, and it wasn't us. <laughs> some, some lady came up to me and goes, Keeper of the Seven Keys. I'm like, lady, I don't even know what the hell that means. She's like, she goes, your shirt. I'm like, I lost a bet, lady. Give me a break. <laughs> All right. So from there, I had a choice to make, which was I really wanted to see Vandenberg since I didn't get to see the pre-party. So Vandenberg was playing at three o'clock in the Royal Lounge, but Honestly, there was no way I was going to miss the next band in Studio B because Heat was playing their second show in Studio B. So I always said if it came down to the Eurobands, that the Eurobands most likely would win out. So I think I went and caught two or three songs from Vandenberg at the beginning and then hightailed it to Studio B for the Heat show. As it turns out, which you'll hear later on, it worked out in my favor because Vandenberg ended up doing three shows and doing an encore performance, which I was able to check out later in the cruise. But that was it. Nobody else, I don't think, saw Vandenberg with me. My wife catched two or three songs, or actually, she didn't even catch it because she went to Studio B to stake out our chairs. So the next show up was Heat and Studio B for their second show at 3.30. I'm pretty sure we were all there for that, Sonny. Yeah, I thought he was great again. And, you know, it's just now you start noticing Dave DeLone can't do all the guitar fills because there's no Jonah T there. They stopped using the tracks. So that kind of killed a little bit of the energy and a little bit of the backfill. And this is when I started noticing Kenny, right? It's like, okay, we went from a stick figure to basically a male stripper with red booty shorts (laughs) that wants to be part Bruce Dickinson. It was a little interesting. We just got a different guy. He seems like a cool guy. They did great. But I I just got kind of this Marky Mark steel dragon feel to the show. A hundred percent. Steve Wright. Yeah, uh, definitely. He sang fantastic. I think he sounded great. Eric's a tough act to follow. 
you know, everything you see him do on stage, you're thinking Eric will be doing something different and better. But he did fantastic vocally. I was not a fan as well of his wardrobe choice for his shows, but uh, <laughs> he was good. He held his own and he did his own thing and didn't try to be Eric. Boo boo. The visual was a little disturbing, <laughs> but uh, music wise, they were fantastic. How about you, BC? Monkey. <laughs> Monkey. <laughs> Monkey. <laughs> Monkey with short red shorts. Short red shorts. Eh, not good. All right. <laughs> so for us, it was a one-two punch. It was straight from heat up to the pool deck because Crazy Licks was doing their uh, second show on the pool deck again right after heat. So literally, it was heat up to the pool deck to see the second Crazy Licks show. I caught it. It was basically the same set. But again, the outcome was the same for me. Killed it at the beginning, took a break in the middle, bought me back at the end. And so, yeah, it was consistent. They did well with the crowd. The crowd loved it. Uh, so I think Crazy Licks all in all was a hit with the crowd. Sonny, your thoughts? Uh, ditto. They were just as good as the first time, and they, it was basically the same as the first time. Yeah. Steve Wright? Yeah, pretty much same show. Uh, still good, but uh, just I, that crazy interlude in the, in, the, in the middle just throws me every time. But good other than that. Yeah. Chris? I don't think I caught them the second time. Okay. BC? Rocking. Okay. So from the Crazy Lick show at six o'clock in the Royal Theater was the next show. And it was lit because the buzz was so good on them from the pool stage show. I wanted to make sure that I caught some of Lit. And Lit is a little bit different of a band for Mort to have on the cruise. And usually they'll do that. They'll throw one or two bands that are left of center. Lit was that band this year. I went and checked it out. I'll say this. They were surprisingly good and full of energy, but musically overall, it's not necessarily my bag. So they're a little bit punk. I enjoyed them overall, but that was from a performance standpoint, just because I thought that they did really well performance wise. I think Jen felt the same way. That was our thoughts on Lit. Sonny, did you see Lit in the World Theater? Yeah, I had to at least go check them out because Tone's always talking about they're so great. Yeah. And I know one of my friends, Jason, loves them too. I went in there, listened to a couple of songs. They were good. I just, I'm standing there going, okay, they're good. And it's kind of this like alt rock pop. I'm like, why are they on the boat? And meh, I mean, I don't really know their music. So I kind of left, but they were fine. Yeah. Steve Wright, did you catch any of them? No, none of us Pennsylvania guys caught them at all. Okay. All right. So from there, we move to Lillian Axe and Studio B. I didn't see any of the Lillian Axe shows. Sonny, I don't think you did either, right? Sonny, not a fan. But I know I know the Pennsylvania boys did go to this show. So we'll start with you, BC. Oh, God. I, this is one of the bands I was looking forward to because they played the pre-party last crew. So they got a new vocalist. I never heard him before. And then they came out and I used to put my head down. <laughs> okay that's a that's a good uh review from bc steve right you want to add to that i enjoyed watching bc have a nervous breakdown during the show and uh i i love lillian axe myself but that good. singer was not a fit for that band it Ew. just totally we walked out after like five songs i think we we couldn't take it i, I made sure i had grands to take a picture of bc with his head in his hands though <laughs> grands the same uh same thought for you i was really disappointed uh, I felt sorry for BC because he, he was talking about it the whole time. And within 10 seconds of them starting, 
uh, Steve tapped me on the shoulder and said, BC's going to hate it. And I looked over and his head was in his hands and he just couldn't believe it. And oh so I had to take a picture of that. <laughs> it sounded like they, they found this guy at, doing karaoke at a bike rally somewhere and yeah, just yeah. said, oh, all right, we'll just use him. Yeah. All right. So we move on to the next show, which was Winger on the pool stage. I wasn't going to miss this after that first performance in the Royal Theater. It was crowded as all get out everywhere on the pool deck so myself and jen we headed up to the highest point which was like this uh above this bar and they had some nice chairs and everything sunny joined us up there i didn't watch the show because there were too many people on the railing but i heard it all and it was basically the same show and it sounded great but we just kind of hung out there and uh shot the shit with sunny for a while sunny you were with us so you saw it had the same vantage point. Steve, did you guys catch any of the winger show on the pool deck? Yeah, we were all there. We caught that. Just fantastic show. I mean, those guys, like I said, I, in my opinion, most talented band on the boat. Another rocking show, another highlight of the, the cruise for me. Yeah, and it was pretty much the same set as I recall. I don't recall much different in that set. BC? No, it was rocking. Perfect show. Yeah. Granza? Excellent. Awesome. So from there, let's see. The next thing after that was 845 in the World Theater, which was the first Jeff Tate show. Jeff Tate was a late replacement on the cruise. He replaced, he sort of replaced Queensryche, which was funny because they dropped off of the cruise. But he's doing basically what he's been doing since before the pandemic, which he's doing Rage for Order back to back, front to back, I should say, and then Empire front to back and because he's playing two shows he just divided up the album so on the first album he did rage for order i caught this show i enjoyed it i caught it with tony and i just i enjoy it because i it's not songs that you hear often when he does that uh yes he's a little bit of a lounge singer now and uh, the one thing I will say about this and all the bands on this cruise, there were a lot of backing tracks used on this cruise. And I don't know whether it's just because of convenience where they don't have to bring a keyboard player or whatever, but there were a lot. And in fact, for me, in the Queensryche sets, they lifted those background vocals straight off the album completely 100% no doubt in my mind. But the band was entertaining and Jeff Tate is now Pitbull. Sonny, your thoughts. <laughs> All right. So he did Rage front to back. It was packed in there. And lucky for me, my favorite song on Rage is the first song. So I'm like, all right, let me check out Walk in the Shadows. He finished it. He started talking. He didn't hit the pedal effect. So all the effects when he was singing is there when he's talking. Yeah. And between the Tom Jones, the Liberace, the hanky shit, the master ceremonies, I'm like, this is musical theater. I'm fucking out. I'm out. I'm, I was done. Yeah, he definitely had a lot of effects on his vocals. He definitely used a pedal for that. He's not the only one. There were definitely other singers that do the same thing. JSS was one of them, but it's all good. Look, these guys can't do what they were doing when they were 25. I get it. It's okay. For me, the band sounded good. Jeff sounded decent. I wasn't offended by the sound of any of them. I know they went over really well. A lot of the chatter within the chat groups and stuff was very positive as far as that goes, but it's just a little off-putting, the whole lounge act type thing. But for me, his little Mohawk guitar player saved that show. That guy was entertaining to watch for sure. Uh, Steve Wright. Absolutely loved it. If Jeff Tate or Queensryche is involved, I'm all in. 
I, I like the both versions. I, I really do. And I, I love Rage for Order, so it's always cool to see that. Uh, backing tracks, I'm like, whatever. I mean, the band's still playing. Just my big thing with them is that electronic drum set. It sucks. Yeah, the drummer plays an electronic kit, and it just looks dumb and sounds dumb. And I think we all feel kind of the same way about that. BC. Exactly. I like tape, but the, the drums are horrible. Chris. Same. Okay, so from there, uh, 8.45 at 9.15 in Studio B was Richie Kotzen. I didn't catch any of this set, so I don't remember exactly what was happening on my set, but I'm, I'm guessing that, Sonny, you were there for this. Yeah, the problem here is he's going up against Jeff Tate because Jeff Tate's still playing. Right. So it's kind of tough placement. So there's probably only 100 people in there. He killed it anyway. It started a little late. I had to leave early because of the next thing that was happening. But, uh, you know, what Kotzen did both sets is he's got 25 or 30 songs that they can play. And he's like, ah, let's do this one next. Eh, let's do this one next. Like they're kind of setting up the list as it goes. But uh, I only saw about a half hour of it, but it was great. Pennsylvania, none of, none of you guys caught any of Kotzen's second set, correct? No, no, because we actually left Jeff Tate early as well to go to the next event as well. So the timing is as it was, and this is where we're going to give props to my lovely wife, Jennifer, who was yes. kind enough to uh, leave out early. She she didn't go to Jeff Tate with me. She left out early to go up to the Viking Lounge because she coordinated with Courtney Cronin Dole for this next event to reserve two or three tables, which without that, we, we would have been like everybody else and standing in the back of the place. But they reserved two or three tables for us with great uh, sight lines for punchlines and backlines uh, with Izzy and Courtney Cronin Dole. They had Hal Sparks and Don Jamerson as well. And the concept of this whole thing, which was a concept that Courtney uh, coordinated and put together, where they have a musician or an artist on this particular night, it was Kip Winger, who comes up and does stand up comedy basically for the first time. And she helps write the jokes and she helps coach them. And to me, uh, we had the best time maybe of the entire cruise at this thing, because it's for one thing, it's sort of a change of pace, which is really nice. It goes really well with the whole cruise theme as a whole. So I thought it fit nicely into the whole scheme of events. But we just we laughed. We had a great time at this uh, event, Sonny. Yeah, I had a great time. You know, if I had to rank them, I would say Courtney did the best. That might be, you know, because I love Courtney. I thought Winger was awesome. I thought Hal Sparks did well. I thought Jameson did well. And anybody else who was involved sucked. <laughs> well, <laughs> fair enough. The professionals did well. And I thought Kip Winger did really well as, as well. We, oh, we just overall, we had a great time. Steve, how about you? Uh, that was a fun time. It was, a, it was actually, it was a nice like a like a breathing moment on the cruise like you're you know your music 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 we got to all sit down together have some great laughs and uh you know courtney killed it and you know she's she is that show pretty much for me that you know she coordinates everything she gets all the, the people and uh kip winger was kip winger was great he uh he did not stand there and read his jokes off of his paper and that's aces for me bc yeah i mean courtney's so cool very outstanding job uh kip was funny i was surprised and overall, it was just a fun, fun time. How about you, Boo Boo? I loved it. I uh, I thought Courtney was hysterical. Um, I thought Kip was really cool. It was fun to see him out of the music element and just as a normal dude, you know, 
making fun of himself and, and that kind of <laughs> stuff. And that was one of the highlights of, of the cruise for me, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, th- I think the general consensus from other cruisers was this was a home run. I made the comment that I could see this really being on any of the uh, music theme cruises. They could do this on music theme cruises. They could do it with athletes. They could do it with, you know, probably not actors and stuff because there's probably part of them that are sort of professional comedians by trade anyway, but uh, with musicians and with uh, athletes and, and folks like that, this this was a home run to me. And I hope Courtney takes this thing as far as she can, because uh, I think this is really just sort of the, the tip of the iceberg for her with this particular concept. Let's see. From there, did anybody catch any of Rare Hair Jam uh, in the Star Lounge? Nope. Nope. Okay. Tough on the pool stage. I'm guessing, Sonny, you did not see any of this. Let's see. Tough or the next band? Tough or the next band? Yeah, I chose next band. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all did. Uh, Steve Wright, you guys didn't see uh, any of Tough on the pool stage, did you? No, we skipped that one to go to the next one. Right. So we all headed to the Royal Theater for the Buck Cherry Show, the final Buck Cherry Show on the cruise at 1130. For me and Jen personally, we enjoyed the shit out of that show. We had a great time. Buck Cherry has always been consistent for me, and this performance was no exception. I think they did awesome. They sounded good. And I love the little seats that we carved out in the Royal Theater, which essentially are just off the stage, right, literally right over the stage. So super close, uh, super great view, and just uh, we really, really enjoyed Buck Cherry in the Royal Theater. Sonny. I thought Josh looks great. They sounded great. Sexy oozes off that dude. They did a great job with Summer of 69. I, I thought that whole how they introduced the band with like the slide dancing behind him. Just absolutely awesome. Josh, absolutely impressive. Steve Wright? Yeah, fantastic show. I, I, I'm a huge uh, Buck Cherry fan of, of their live stuff. I, I, I'm not you really tuned into you know, their catalogs per se, but like I will catch them live anytime I can. And Josh Todd is fantastic. And Sonny, I forgot about that with the band doing that shuffle. That was freaking fantastic. Great show. Chris. Absolutely loved it. Always entertaining. Music is spot on. Josh Todd is, is probably one of the most underrated front man in the business. BC. Loved it. Loved that little slide dance or whatever. Nailed it.
Yeah, uh, just a fantastic show. And this is the first time that I've seen this lineup of Buck Cherry because they've got essentially a brand new band minus Josh and uh, Stevie. Uh, so new drummer, new bass player, and uh, Billy Rowe from Jet Boy, the new rhythm guitar player. And uh, that new bass player is really, really fun to watch. So I just enjoyed this band as a whole. I think this new lineup is is one of their best for sure. From there, we had the Choir Boys in Studio B at midnight. Now, this was an interesting one because anybody that knows anything about the Choir Boys knows basically the Choir Boys is Spike. I mean, the lead singer, he is the Choir Boys. Well, my understanding is he didn't make the cruise. So it was Choir Boys minus Spike. And I guess maybe the guitar player, Paul, who we've met before, a very nice guy, did the singing. Did anybody here catch the choir boys in Studio B? Because I did not. I didn't. No, we didn't either. I think we were we were gathered in the schooner lounge then just uh, hanging. Yeah. So lots of hanging out. And that was pretty much it for day three. Did I miss anything for uh, the third day? Anything at the end of the night? Any karaoke? Anything like that? Sonny? Uh, no, we pretty much just hung at schooners that day. And I think I played a little bit of cards. Steve Wright? Yeah, for me, I just want to thank Sonny again for uh, taking me to the uh, the painting thing. It was it was a lot of fun, and I was actually shocked at how my painting came out because I thought it was going to suck, but it actually I think it came out pretty good, and it was cool. And I was glad I was able to get a picture of Sonny with uh, Richie and Jeff Scott Soto with his Halloween shirt. Okay, so that is going to wrap up part one for the most part. I think we're going to go around the horn. I'm going to get everybody's number one biggest surprise of the cruise. After that, I'm going to encourage people to go over to the Potter and Hell podcast and catch part two, which will be days four and five, covering the Alice Cooper performances as well as some other stuff. And then at the end of that one, I think we're going to talk about our five favorite performances and our two least favorite performances. So let me go around the horn here before getting to my wife, Jen's uh, list. So, Sonny, let's start with you. Your biggest surprise performance of the cruise. My biggest surprise, we actually haven't talked about yet. We're going to talk about on Potter Than Hell, but it was Alice Cooper. My God, did he kill it in that little theater. And I was very surprised that Alice still has his shit together. How about you, Steve Wright? Biggest surprise one for me was Jeff Scott Soto. I really didn't know what to expect. And I came out of both of those shows with a huge smile on my face. I really, really enjoyed them. And how about yours, BC? Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Crazy Licks because I didn't really see nothing much about them. I liked them, though. And Granza? Uh, my biggest one would probably be Eclipse. That was your biggest surprise, huh? Well, I really I didn't know much of them, and I didn't think I was going to like them as much as I did. So I, I can absolutely say that they're one of my favorite bands at the moment. I, I was just blown away. Okay, so my two favorite or my two biggest surprises for the cruise, I'm going to give you two. One was Nerd Halen on the pool stage because to me, it was a little bit more than a tribute band. They just went over super well. I had a great time. It was just a good, fun time. 
And then Nestor for me was a bit of a surprise because they're a little bit light for me, like I said, but uh, I really enjoyed Nestor. So now before we end this thing, I'm going to turn the mic over to my lovely wife, Jennifer, and she's going to go through her entire list real quick and just give you guys kind of her top five, her surprises and her least favorites since she won't be over at the Potter and Hell podcast. Jen, come on over. Just welcome. Thanks for letting me crash this sausage party. That's pretty cool. That might be one of the big surprises. <laughs> Actually, uh, so for me, this cruise was full of surprises. I had never really connected with Buck Cherry the previous time I'd seen them. And my comment to Steve was, I get it now. Uh, what a performance. Josh Todd's amazing. The whole band was on it. I loved it. I think Nestor, never heard of them, thought they came out. That's uh, right in my bang zone. Really good stuff. Uh, Bad Marriage did a really nice job on the pool stage. Another one that hadn't crossed my radar. I have no idea why Lit is a surprise to me. That's completely uh, in my wheelhouse. But just honestly, hadn't even considered them. Uh, wasn't a band I knew I knew and really enjoyed it. And uh, I know... Uh, Sonny's boyfriend, Richie, what a show. Uh, the energy was so high in that theater show. And I know he's an amazing musician. I know that, uh, Sonny, you've been a fan forever uh, for good reason. Uh, but I hadn't really connected to it the, the way I did in that show. So that was pretty amazing. As far as my top five, no doubt Eclipse killed it on the pool stage. Uh, one of the big reasons I went on the cruise and absolutely nailed it. Couldn't have leave Buck Cherry off that list. Uh, just got eked out by that Eclipse uh, show. I think Bisto Blanco was amazing on the pool stage. Uh, always entertaining. Number four, I'm going to put a Kix's second performance. They just absolutely kill, no matter how many times we've seen them. And love that it's never the same twice. Uh, just really excellent. Uh, I think the the hardest choice I have on this is who to put at number five. I uh, really liked Heat on the Pool stage, uh, but having never seen Alice Cooper, that was amazing. So I might have to uh, tip the hat to Alice uh, Alice Cooper. That was a great show. Uh, as far as non-concert, I absolutely have to mention that comedy show. Courtney just delivers the goods. She is so excellent. Uh, funny, relatable. Hal Sparks killed it. And Kip delivered the goods. I mean, we always enjoy his acoustic sets. They're super fun. And uh, he just, he's a natural. So uh, definitely want to see this every year. Least favorite. I wanted to like this show. I really wanted to like Dangerous Toys. Uh, we talked, <laughs> we talked to the guy on the first day. And so, you know, I was really rooting for him, but, uh, just meh and, uh, Firewind kind of boring. So thanks for letting me on. I really appreciate it. Had a really amazing seven days, uh, five days on the Mork, but, uh, great vacation, uh, and, uh, glad to be back to work so I can get some rest. You got a message from Crazy Oh. Well, how can I leave out a couple of things? I mean, there's so many things I could talk about. Everybody was really excited about Crazy Licks. I was excited to see Crazy Licks. I have to admit, it was a little bit of a letdown to me, kind of meh. It didn't help having my husband in my ear talking about the why they have the uh, stupid uh, knife as a uh, microphone. And <laughs> I have to agree, too much costume. Same set both times. You know, there's no surprise to it. So uh, I'd like to just see him come out and perform. Songs are excellent. Come out and just hit it the way you did the the opening of the set. And then 
totally did enjoy Winger. Reb's awesome, and that medley was incredible. Really gave me a, an appreciation for some of the rest of the band that maybe, uh, to me, just is is maybe overlooked. Some of the the ones that get a lot of love, Black and Blue, that halftime show to me, meh. Uh, great band, just, you know, didn't do it for me. All right, let me hand it back over to Steve. Thanks a bunch. Bye. All right, so there you go. You get another side to the story, but that's pretty much it for days one through three. Anybody want to add anything else, Sonny? Well, you know, we like connecting stuff to KISS, so let's connect it to KISS real quick. You wanted the best, but you got the best! The hottest band in the world, KISS! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So we were talking about Heat, and as we all know, Eric Ronwall was the former singer, you know, battling cancer. He's okay now. We wish him all the best health. But he's been doing some new music, which uh, is coming out soon. But he's also been doing a bunch of covers on YouTube. And a few days ago, he released a cover of Love Gun. So check this out. Together we can get hot. No more. 
Yeah, so I, I I dig it. It's it. They have some weird chord changes in that song. That's definitely different. I always enjoy listening to Eric. So uh, he's just a great singer. Yeah, righty. Paul wishes he could sing like that right now, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, maybe even back in the day. Um, <laughs> I knew that would get Grant's card. Good, good version. Though. I like it. For some reason, there's a couple parts in that song. It lacks a little something. I don't know what it is, but uh, it it's well done. <laughs> BC, how about you? I was in the text group. <laughs> BC okay. is playing the role of Steve this time. Okay, so BC didn't do his homework. Uh, Boo Boo, did you listen? I did. I yeah. thought it was okay. It, oh, it was, it good was, Lord. No, no, it, it was good. It was, in, in all seriousness, it, it was good. It was, it was a cool cover. Good vocal, good sounding. And I did like that it was a, it changed up a little bit. Well, as always, I love reliving this cruise because it's just always a good time. The best time leading up to this cruise really is the excitement uh but once it comes it goes very quickly and it's over again catch the last two days over at the potter and hell podcast we'll put the links in the show notes for you i've enjoyed this cruise more and more each year and i think it has a lot to do with the traveling group of monkeys that we have so myself my wife steve bc granza leslie chip bruce Sunny, all these folks and all these new folks that are coming on. It's just, it's a fun time and, uh, I just have a blast. So, uh, thank you guys for making this cruise no exception. Sunny, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I always enjoy each cruise a little bit differently. And, uh, you know, there was a day where I saw, I got to hang out with Jeff and Richie. I got to see Heat, Crazy Licks, Winger, Kotzen, Winger doing comedy and Buck Cherry. Dude, like, you can't get much better than that. No, not at all. Steve Wright, you have anything you want to add? No, just uh, we had a, it was a great start to the cruise. We had a little adventure at the beginning there involved in a little felony action there. It was fun. You know, pre-party was was kind of not great. It was it was fun, though, and an awesome time hanging out with everybody and the, all this, the stuff in between, the, the actual hanging out. Absolutely fun, and uh, we'll be picking it up uh, on the Potter Than Hell. Yep. On Tuesday, if you're listening to this on release day, go over to the Potter and Hell podcast on Tuesday. BC, you have anything you want to add? No, I mean, hey, the music is a good background for the hanging out. That's the main thing, just having a good time. Granza. It was an honor just to be nominated. (laughs) (laughs) So there you have it. And that's how we'll end this thing. And one real quick thing I want to say, we've been dubbed as the Mork Dorks by some of our, uh, podcasting uh brothers shall i say and i'm okay i embrace that uh whether you're uh what is it a kiss nerd a kiss tard or a mort dork we enjoy the mort cruise we enjoy the music and i don't really care whether it's the second cousin of mark starachi singing crocus covers or not uh it's all about the music and uh it entertains us so there you go until next week see ya Later. Hello, this is Eric Martinson and Philip Krusner. And Magnus Henriksson. From Eclipse, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Steven and Hollywood. Turn it up. You're taking me home. And every day your words collide. How can I get off this ride and still the same? The thrill is gone. We're living in a slow.
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 